Real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast, be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today helps small business owners leverage sales and business development through his global brand, Success Champion Networking. Welcome to the show, Donnie Bovine. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm so excited to hang out with you. What a crazy ride we've gotten to get to here to record this thing. So I'm stoked to hang out with you, bit. Yeah, and you're a local person as well in the DFW area, so that it's cool to connect with someone else in my area. I just gave a brief o- overview there in the intro, but can you kind of give us more of a, a history or background and how you created your company and the, the story there? Yeah, for sure. So I did four years in the Marine Corps, 20 straight years of straight commission sales. I've never really had a, a salary position in my life. Uh, I turned 40 before I even knew you could do this thing called be an entrepreneur, business owner, whatever. And my last career was with an organization called Sandler Train. And supposedly I became one of the top sales trainers in the country. Long story short, my first year in business, I almost lost everything because I had no idea how to run a business. My wife's car got repossessed. Literally, we were almost foreclosed on our farm. My wife had to cash in her 401k because no one... I never saw the CEOs of the companies I worked for. So I had no idea what it took, what it meant to really run a business. Found podcasting in 2018, launched my first show. Five months later, that show was number 22 in the world, sitting on the Apple charts. From there, a non-compete that I was under came up out a few months after that in September of 2018. And now I could talk about the thing that I knew to sales, business development, so flash forward through all of that to where we are now. And I run three companies, I have a full working farm, five best-selling books, and I was still one of the top podcasts in a partridge in a pear tree. I love that last part there. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned podcasting. I think you mentioned before that it helped save your business. I'm curious sure. how you got into the top 22. I mean, were you marketing it really well? or Yeah, so... At the time when I was getting the podcasting up, I was really going after my speaking side of things and getting on a lot of stages. Every time I went and spoke on a stage, I would plot out three or four hotels that I knew had other events going on in the area. And what I would do is after I would fly in a day or two before my event, and then every night I'd go hit the four or five bars at the different hotels and find the lonely salesperson. You know, the person sitting at the bar by themselves because they're away from family, the road warrior in and up. And I go sit right next to them, order a drink, strike up a conversation and ask them inevitably if they listen to podcasting. And almost all of them did because they were road warrioring so much. And I'd always ask, well, which show do you listen to? And every time it was Joe Rogan. And I'd say, yeah, what do you listen to? What show player do you listen to it on? And there was... Spotify wasn't really that big yet. It was, you know, Apple or Google at that point, and primarily Apple. But I'd say, well, pull out your phone. And then I'd tell them, you know, the show and they would go, wait, that's you. I'm like, yeah. And then I would get them to subscribe. And then I would tell them, well, do me a favor and listen to a couple of episodes or listen to one episode. And if, if you listen to it, I'd love it. Here's my personal email address. If you'll email me your takeaways from that show. And when they did that, I would reply, I'm like, dude, that's awesome. If you like that episode, here's two more you might be into. 
If you send me feedback on those, I'll give you a couple more that you should probably check out. And I'd have these huge chains going about doing two or three times. I'm like, do me a favor and share this with a buddy and do the same thing. Give him your favorite episode and feel free to have him email me the information. We just started this chain of people that were sharing and commenting and sending me feedback. It was awesome. It was a lot of work. I mean, I became a walking billboard. If I met you within five minutes of talking to you, you would know I had a podcast and I would have you subscribe to the show. Oh, that's awesome. I've never heard of that technique before. And it sounds kind of overwhelming because it's to start a conversation with all these individual people. It seems like, well, how could that accumulate over time to the point of being number 22 on the charts? But I guess the word of mouth and referring other people to the podcast. Anybody who's trying to get up the charts. I mean, it's not all that hard to get to climb the charts is, is based on number of subscribers. There's other factors that play into it, okay? But it's really based on number of subscribers. So if you can just go on a frenzy of getting people to subscribe to your show, not like all of a sudden thousands of people subscribe, like you're trying to game the system, but if you have a consistent influx of 50 to 100 people a day that are subscribing to your show, then it'll climb really, really, really fast. But I also tell everybody, being at the top of the charts, unless you can sustain it, doesn't really mean a whole lot. So critically be able to get those subscriptions coming in to stay up there. I would tell anybody who wants to do a podcast that you need to decide what that podcast should do for you. Then you build content straight for that. What most people unfortunately do is they create a podcast hoping it's going to drive business for them. And then they do a bunch of generic generalities and sound just like every other show out there when you need to stand for something. And what I mean by that is you need to have a belief system that's so strong on a given topic that you can defend it to the end of the times. And you need to create a show or the content in the show that pushes that message or that agenda. Now, I'm not talking about politics, world news, religion, anything like that. Just talking about your personal beliefs and what works with that. And for me, a lot of the episodes, I like playing the student. I'll talk to anybody hoping they can teach me something and they teach me something. I level up and the listeners get something out of it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I feel like I'm going to implement this approach. So when you would do that, how many people on average would you do that with per night? Five, six, seven wasn't like a tremendous amount because you did you got to build some rapport with people. You can't just walk up and go, hey, let me see your phone. You got to build some rapport. And people are like, well, why don't you make business cards and do all that? I'm like, because I need them to take the physical action so they remember. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of people they are like, you know what I'm going to do? Since we're drinking, having a good time, I'm going to put your episode on my calendar to listen on the way to the airport or whatever. And they put it right in their calendar for them. So different things. But the biggest thing I think with a podcast is you got to create a following or a fan base that is just into it. And the only way to do that is you've got to have a stand for something, right? You've got to have this hardcore belief about something in particular and be able to get energized behind the way you say the things. So like for me, my biggest purpose in life is to help as many small business owners get to freedom through building a business. Because, I mean, I go back to my first year in two in business and 
I was awful at running a business and nobody was out there saying, hey, you got this, stay in the game. This is going to work. It was a whole bunch of people out there like, be an entrepreneur. It's amazing. You can stand in front of Ferraris and all kinds of stupid stuff. I made myself an island because I thought anybody knew how bad my freaking business was. Nobody would do business with me. So I didn't tell anybody how bad it was. And I also didn't seek help because of how bad it was. And I was embarrassed by my lack of performance. So I flipped the script and I've decided that for the rest of my journey, I'm going to share every screw up, every failure, everything I've done wrong, how we fixed it and how we're building our empire by teaching others everything that we've learned. And by doing that, I pissed some people off because of my beliefs of what it takes to actually build a business. And that's fun for me because it's coming from their, the haters when they pop in, that's coming from their lack of actually wanting to really work for a living. And I recognize that that. And it's a lot of fun, but, but if you get passionate behind an ideal and a belief system, and you can speak straight to that and you can literally get people to take action, not just energize them, we get them to take action. So they'll see results more and more people will lean in. And that's how we built the three companies and be able to do all the things that we've been able to do so far. Yeah. Can you tell us about the difference between the companies? I know you have like a summit, the networking side, <laughs> all of that. So I'll, I'll walk you through all three. So we have success champion networking where we literally changed how the world networks. So we never wanted to start a networking company. It was never in the plans, never anything I wanted to do. Pandemic hit uh, through a series of events. I'd run several networking groups in the past. Uh, so I knew everything that people hated about networking. And between me and Kevin Snow, who's my co-founder on that, uh, he ran 52 BNI chapters up in Minnesota with 4,000 people in it. So we both had this huge background in networking and neither one of us really wanted to do it, but we knew we had to help once the pandemic hit. We were going to be fine. We already had a successful business, but everybody else is moving online and nobody knew how to do anything online. So we launched and grew rapid or being told was it's the fastest growing network on the planet. I don't know how you measure that, but they keep saying it and everybody's like, who's they? And I'm like, everybody that I talk to, what people like about it is all the meetings are virtual. There's no MLMers, no network marketing to folks. Um, there's a lot primarily a B2B you know, service-based companies, tons of training and education. Cause I truly believe I'm just going to teach it all. And it's been a lot of fun. And then. We have champions table mastermind and peer groups. So we bring people that are on the growth phase of business. So there's kind of a couple of stage there's, okay, I'm a business owner. There's year one of, I don't know what I'm doing. Year two, I'm starting to think we figure things out, but I still don't know what I'm doing. Year two and a half, three, you're starting to get to that point where like, okay, there's gotta be a better way of doing this. So I'm making some money, but it's not really getting after it. That's when the champion's table comes into play because now we're going to take the foundation you built and teach you how to grow and then ultimately scale that business. Um, and that's been a lot of fun to build because we keep these intimate groups of 10 or less people and we just pour into them and hold them highly accountable to a higher standard of building a business. And then last, which we do here in Fort Worth in September of every year. So. 
but we're on year four with that. And that came about uh, solely because I was doing a Facebook live at a couple of hundred people on the live. And one of the people watching said, Hey, I've got a speaking engagement for you down in San Antonio, Texas. I'm like, Oh, well, that'd be fun. Send me the details. And as soon as I said, I would do it, people are like, well, let us know when it is. We'll drive down because we want to see you speak. And a whole bunch of people were like, hey, well, yeah, we should do that. And then somebody said, well, if we're all going to go down there, we should get a meeting room and then Donnie can just teach us stuff. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I'm not doing anything down in San Antonio. I said, but we'll, we'll do something up in Fort Worth. And somebody on the live goes, oh, we'll call it DonnieCon. I'm like, no, we're not calling it DonnieCon. So, uh, but that's how we, we got the stomach going. And uh, we have, we take over an entire hotel here in Fort Worth and we have speakers fly in talking about business, sales, operations, and mindset. And it's a hundred percent, a, not a teaching summit where you write a whole bunch of notes and go home and try and remember what you said. You're working on your business right then and there. So it's all workshop style where you're working in your business. So by the time you leave, things are already working in your business. It's very unique. A lot of people back in comments have been awesome on us. It's been fun to put together. Oh, wow. Yeah, I first heard about it. I guess it was last year. Uh, Larry Roberts, I guess, was speaking. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Sponsored it. Yeah. Another local guy. And I had seen a post. I'm like, oh, that sounds like a cool summit. I need to check that out. So I might actually go to it this year. Come on. We love meet you in person. It's a lot of fun. I will tell you that you get tickets quickly because it is, they are moving. So we've only got, I think, four VIPs left. Okay. And it's, they're moving fast. Okay. Yeah, I'll need to get, so how many tickets total then, like, just across the board? So we, 150, and we max out the hotel again. So this will be our last year at this hotel. And we're looking for a new venue that can handle all the things that we do. Mm-hmm. Okay. But on events, it's like, oh, it's a lot of work, you know, putting I all would imagine. Stuff. And I see your books back there, which I have both of those actually. I love how they're only like four bucks or something on Amazon. It's like you, you're not making any profit on that pretty much. Nope. That's, <laughs> so the one I particularly kind of wanted to talk about on this episode uh, is referrals. Referral. Endless finger referrals, sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of interchange that with word of mouth referrals kind of similar. And I feel like for a lot of businesses, that's really the best way to get new business is almost through referrals versus like, I mean, yeah, you should still run ads, I guess, and things of that nature, speaking engagements, have a podcast, all this stuff. But I feel like referrals is really what moves the needle and i'd love to hear so i'm gonna i'm gonna challenge that thought process a little bit the whole book is about referrals but introductions is what really rules the world and here's the difference very rarely am i gonna run into your perfect ideal customer right just not and i don't know your business but what do you do uh podcast production and marketing beautiful beautiful so I don't run into a whole lot of people that you know, want a podcast producer, right? So, but if you were to tell me specifically who does talk to people, like if you, you say, I'd, I'd love to meet a bunch of business coaches because their clientele would likely be people to, who want to start podcast. I'm like, cool, let me open the door for you. So an introduction is just putting two people together that could have some cool, like synergy conversations. And they become a circle of influence for each other because your client base and their client base probably mesh up really, really well. 
And you guys can then refer back and forth. So I tell everybody to focus more on those introductions versus the end user and watch how much more fast your business grows. Referrals leads to revenue, right? That's the difference. So a referral would be, I'd hear somebody specifically going, hey, I want to start a podcast. I'm like, oh my God, you got to meet Sarah. She's a host of Frugalpreneur. She's a beast when it comes to this stuff, loves doing it. And I would reach out and say, Sarah, so-and-so is looking to start a podcast, told them all about you. They're excited to meet and, and really looking forward to the conversation. In that moment, a sales conversation is expected, right? That's what sets away it's a referral from introduction. So introduction to good people to meet, referral, the sales conversation is expected, okay? Well, people don't understand over the years, just most times I've been giving introductions and calling them referrals. So, because let's, let's be honest, networking as a whole was created by broke people who couldn't sell. If you go look at the biggest networking organization on the planet, nothing against them. Uh, they've done an amazing job and built an amazing company. If you go read their origin story, Ivan Meisner literally said he lost his number one client and did not know how to go get another one. So he brought a group of people together, hoping that they would bring him business and through introductions. That's literally their byline, their origin story. Love it. They literally brought networking to the world. Okay. And, and so, but the idea behind networking was built on this foundation of, I can't sell, so I'm going to have to network. So most things are taught from that perspective. So for me, networking is an offensive sport. So when we talk about referrals, like I do in the book, people have got to understand there's only four reasons you don't get referrals. Number one, I got to clean it up for you. Read the book for how it's really written. But the number one reason is you don't ask. Uh, the number one reason people don't get referrals. Number two, I said jerk. You're a jerk. Let's go that route, okay? Number three, people are afraid you're going to sell anybody they introduce you to. And number four, uh, people have no clue what you actually do for a living. So what you'll find oftentimes is that you're not getting referrals, check a box, right? Because it's one of those four things that are happening that are preventing you, know, you from getting referrals. And if referrals are an offensive sport, then to really get referrals going, you need to be able to go out and sell and bring that value back to a network. A network means a lot of things, not just a networking group, but your network and help them grow their through your work of sales out front, okay? In that vein, in that ideal, if you'll go out and get your own business and understand that networking is a portion of your business, you can bring a whole lot of value to people. And when you do that, a lot of value comes back to you. But giving away referrals is not about getting referrals. It's not about gaming anything. If you get around a lot of people that understand that I'm going to go sell and bring that back together, I mean, you get a group of people doing that and a ridiculous amount of business happens. But what tends to happen is people show up to these networking groups and they're like, this is going to be my savior. And they keep coming each week going, please, God, somebody give me a referral. Please, God, somebody open the door for me. Please, somebody, you know, bring me business. And they're not bringing any value to it. They just keep showing up, showing up, showing up. And, oh, they may get a onesie, twosie here, but eventually they're going to wear out that network. Because if you don't feed the network, they will stop feeding you.
Yeah, I love approach. And is that kind of what y'all do then in the success champion networking? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's why we focus a hundred percent on introductions. Referrals happen, but mm -hmm. it's so much easier to make an introduction than it is a referral. If you get the whole group focused on how do I introduce people, referrals happen in mass and real referrals, not the made up stuff you see in a lot of networking. I mean, I remember early on when I sold commercial printing, my funniest, dumbest referral I ever got was a person introduced me to a city council member and for printing, government printing could be a very good deal in the off season for commercial printing. And so I was excited to talk to this guy. And when I called the gentleman, he had no idea who I was and then proceeded to try and get me to vote for him. I had no interest in printing whatsoever, but because there was a quota on number of referrals, he got, uh, people were handing out crap like this left and right. And that's why I left that style of networking. So I wanted to get around real people that were opening doors. So for us, we focused on the ideal of, okay, what industries actually send you the most referrals? What industries do you send the most referrals to? And what industry do you wish sent you referrals? And you won't hear us talk about people. You'll never hear us say what people send you referrals. We want to go industry. Now, if you tell me the top three industries that send you referrals are social media companies, business coaches, and uh, maybe like an HR consultant type thing. If I know that, now I've got that top of mind as I'm going out selling myself. And as soon as I run into a business coach, hey, you got to meet Sarah. As soon as I run into you know, a social media market, dude, you've got to meet Sarah. And it keeps you really easy and top of mind because I'm just keeping track of the industries that you're connected to. And you get a whole group of people that are keeping you top of mind, just remembering industries. As they're outgoing, man, we can open up so many doors. TN Success Champions Networking, people tell you, if you don't protect your calendar, your calendar will be filled with people trying to serve and help you. Mm -hmm. Wow. So like what tip do you have when making it? Or I guess, how do you know when and who? When you're meeting someone, obviously, I guess if they're talking about something that you know so-and-so does what or could help with whatever they're talking about, obviously. But then I guess what is the best way to kind of know who you should be introducing to who and how to go about that? So, yeah, uh, it's really, really simple. It's, and I do it cold all the time. I'll be sitting across from somebody brand new that I just, um, and we call them virtual coffees, and we do basically this on Zoom. And uh, so we'll have a virtual coffee with somebody. And my entire goal for that virtual coffee is to talk very little about me and figure out who the heck I need to get them to, right? Most people think the idea of a one-on-one -on -one or a virtual coffee is for you to take about 30 minutes and tell me what you do. I'll take about 30 minutes and tell you what I do. And then we'll shake hands, hug, or, and we'll walk and go our separate ways and hope something happens. We play an offense. An offense is I'd sit across from you, Sarah, and um, I'd be, tell me your story. I would tell and let you take me as long as you want to tell and share your story. And then I'm going to take my story and tell it to you in about two minutes. And then I'm going to spend the rest of that call diving straight into your world. Who do you need to meet? Who do you need to get to? Who can I open that door for? And then I'm going to start right then and there. As long as you're a good person. Now there is a caveat to this, right? If you get jump on a one-on-one or a Zoom virtual coffee with somebody, and they're instantly trying to sell you pitches or a jerk ego, you know, that type of thing. 
I'm not going to do this, right? But if they're a good person, genuine person, you can tell they're really trying to show up in the world, man, I'm going to try as fast as possible to make introductions. And so I'll tell them, like, here's my LinkedIn, connect me on LinkedIn. And right there in the middle of the call, I'll be like, hey, Sarah, meet Bob, Sarah, meet Zach, Sarah, meet Moogs. And I'll make three to five introductions on every virtual call. Um, unless they're a jerk. Or, I mean, there are some instances like, you know, financial advisors can be very hard to make your introduction. Uh, so I don't do meetings with financial advisors that just tough to refer. There's some people that are just tough to refer. So scale was invented back when dinosaurs walked the earth. I could stand in front of a room full of people and say one word. Actually, let's try it. I'm going to give you one word, sir. Tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. You ready? Okay. Salesperson. Sleazy. Right, right, right. And the whole room does that. There's no, nobody goes amazing, wonderful, awesome, great, anything like that. There's such a negative connotation with sales because of how it's been projected in movies, TVs, all the bad salespeople we've dealt with. So people have this idea to be successful in sales that that's what they got to do and be, right? And then it's just icky feeling or whatever you want to call it. To sell means you need to be helping and serving people. I truly believe that every conversation should be a sales call, okay? But I do not believe you should close the sale. If you have a, most people, if they have a great conversation with a great person who's interested in their stuff, they're able to get that conversation to a close, okay? And get the deal done. What most people could do is they sit across from somebody and they're so nervous, they're so scared because they haven't had many sales come in that all that pent up energy comes out and they verbally vomit all over the people they're talking to and they try and convince them to buy. They've been told all their life to overcome a ball. So they're like, you know what? I'm just not going to do any of that. And then they sit around and not actively go do the things they need to do to grow their business. They just avoid it altogether. Sales is a conversation between two people. It's really that simple, right? It's a conversation that happens to have an outcome. And if people would just go sit across from people and give them advice, real genuine advice on things they could do better in their business, their life, their whatever, if they have great conversations, tell them about their product and service, and then gently ask them, would it make sense to do business? Would it make sense for you to do this? Then people will lean in. I don't want people to close. A close is you better buy it right now, right? A close is, you know, if you don't buy it today, price is going up on Monday. A close is hard, right? It's greasy. Closure, on the other hand, is the most beautiful thing on the planet when you're talking about sales, because closure is every conversation, you get a yes, a no, or a next step. So it's sitting across from somebody and saying, my service is X, Y, and Z. This is how we do it. Would it make sense to start with that service? If they say anything other than let's get started, yes, or they say no, they say anything else. They're trying to tell you no without hurting your feelings, right? So if they say, hey, I need to think it over. Let me get back to you. Anything like that, then they are literally 
most likely trying to tell you no. So in that moment, if somebody says, hey, let me think it over, instantly look at them and go, you know what? Let's do this, sir. Why don't we go ahead and call it a no for now? I'll leave the ball completely in your court. And if something ever changes, you come back to me, right? And then I remove them from my prospect list. Conversation's over because I don't care about getting the no. People worry about getting a no because they have nobody else to talk to. This is their one potential you say. Go have a lot more conversations. Get into a lot more conversations. You know, most people can learn sales by doing one simple thing. Going and getting into 100 conversations with people who have the ability to say yes to you. Not just 100 conversations with people, but people who have the ability to say yes to you, which means they got to be able to afford it. They got to be into it, right? And they've got to be have some urgency to want to get it done now. And you go find those people, you make them an offer, you get detached from the outcome, and literally, if they say yes, cool, let's get started. If they say no, cool, thank you. Who do you know that I should meet? If they say anything else, gently say, why don't we do this? Why don't we call it a no for now? Something changes, you come back to me. Because anybody who sells a service, it should be a one-call conversation. So uh, initially you had said yes, no, next step. So when would you say, I guess that would be when they're not saying yes or no, but you were saying if, if they're saying, oh, well, let me think about it. So when would you use the next step approach instead? So when it's a next step is when they say, hey, you know what, Sarah, this looks great. We don't have it in the budget in Q1, but in Q2, second quarter, we likely can. Your next move at that point better be, cool, let's pull out your calendar. You pick, you pick a time. I'm saying you a calendar invite right now while you're in the middle of the call to put that on your calendar. And then your next question or statement is, Sarah, when we get to that moment, what conversation are we having? And they will tell you, matter of factly, that if we have it in our budget, we're moving forward. If we don't, we won't. Right? You've got to have that significant next step where both parties know what the conversation is and know that there's going to be an outcome in that conversation. Because mm. it's not as next step if the foundation hasn't been laid, been laid for what that conversation go, is going to have and that there's going to be an outcome. There's going to be a yes or no at that moment. Mm. Okay. So next step would involve getting another call on the books with a clear outcome. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to start using this approach because I think the problem is like we chase after. Um, and that's what makes me feel like the grief ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even if you do it in the most, I don't know, non grease ball-y type way that you can think of, it still feels to a certain extent that it is that way when you have to keep like following up and being like so uh do you want to launch that podcast this year maybe <laughs> and, you know um okay so with and you said with a service it should be a one call close mm -hmm. or a one call no yes or no yeah uh, i'm curious like what the thought is there because like i don't know it feels like some people i don't know 
it, it seems like they need more time or they have to think, but that's usually a no as well. So, it's not a hundred percent foolproof, right? You know, there's an exception to every rule. Be be real about that. Uh, I would challenge that most people are talking to broke people. Mm. They're talking to people that can't actually afford their services because those, those people are safe and easy to get to because they're out there and you can find them and talk to them, right? The people who actually break out of this idea of building a business and become something with it are the people that are actively going and doing the hard things. And the hard things is putting yourself out there, being the face of your company, really showing up in the marketplace. That may be doing cold calls. That may be doing cold reach outs. That may be doing all the things that people are avoiding, which are the exact things they should be doing to build your business. You go find anybody who's been successful and ask them how their business started and you're going to hear about the most crazy, insane grind, you know, that they went through to get it off the ground. And what people don't understand this one is without hard work, without putting in the hours with, and, and people always like, you know, if hard work was a thing, you know, construction workers would be thinking, that's not what I'm talking about. It's doing the hard work. It's doing the cold reach out. It's doing the cold calls. It's going to a trade show and asking people to buy your stuff. It's really doing those things that will move the needle on your business. But most people, they left corporate America and they wanted to start a company. And really what they want is the freedom of their time. And so they try and recreate their job versus building a business or a company. And a business or a company has sales. It has marketing, it has operations, it has finances, right? There's a lot of moving parts to actually building a company. And what people want is they want to only work a couple hours a day. They, they don't want it to be hard. They want people just to flock to them. And so they don't go do the hard stuff that's actually going to get them to build a business. And I tell everybody, you got to go get punched in the face every day. They won't actually put themselves out there. You know, it, they'll go to a networking event and have a lot of fun conversations and then turn around and freaking go home. Dude, you don't go to a networking event without a freaking game plan. Mm -hmm. Every networking event from here on out, everybody listening or watching this, you better walk out of there with two meetings scheduled. Scheduled, which means at the event, you walk up, Sarah, it's so awesome meeting you. Let's do this, you know, later this week. You do that enough times, you're going to start getting your brand out there, your name out there. People are starting hearing what you do, and people will start leaning in. Well, while you're doing that, your butt better be on LinkedIn. It better be on Facebook, Instagram, wherever your client base is. And you better be sending cold introductions. Get to know you and find the people that can say yes to you. Taking those cold introductions to an appointment, to a meeting, right? Cold calling still works, right? You can pick up the phone and freaking cool call somebody. This is what it takes to build a business. You've got to become a beast. And that's all the stuff that people avoid because that's not what they want to do. They just want to do their stuff. No, no, no. You've got to go do the work. And the best way I can explain this is I do have a full working farm. 
have dwarf Nigerians on my farm. I don't get a day off from taking care of the goats. They can't feed themselves. They can't water themselves. They can't, you know, clean up the barn after they crapped everywhere, right? They can't take care of themselves. So every morning, I got to go out, let the goats out, feed them hay, water. Every evening, I got to go put the goats up, right? So it's not like I get a day where, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to let them fend for themselves today. I don't get that option. So I have to do the work until the work's done. And it's the same way in business. you got to do the work until the work is done. This isn't the hustle and grind. This is just what it takes. This is what you've got to do. It's going to be long hours. It's going to be hard work. And it's going to be such a mental upgrade that by the time you get a business to some form of freedom, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be mentally fatigued. And this is why for me, I had to put a farm day in. So every Thursday, today as we record this, as soon as this podcast is over, the company's all shut down and everybody goes home. And I'm working seven days a week. The Thursday afternoons, it's a farm day. I'm a working farm. There's a lot of things to do on this farm. So right around noon, one o'clock, every Thursday, I go work the farm. My wife, Elizabeth, she comes out, she works the farm. And the rest of the time, I'm putting in the time. Right? I've got such, I mean, I really want to help the world find freedom through building a business. And the only way I can do that is to build a company that rivals Tony Robbins. I don't want to be Tony Robbins. No desire to be him. But Tony's got 101 companies to the tune of 7 billion freaking dollars. The only way I can change the needle, actually change the world and impact, is I'm going to learn the skills that allow me to go that big. You can put me at the helm of Tony Robbins' company right now, and I'd fail miserably because I don't have the skills. I haven't evolved. I don't have the mental upgrades to be able to handle all that. You've got 40 years of building that empire. So I'm going to see if I can do it maybe in 20. But it's going to still take me 20, 25, 30 years to be able to rival what that guy's built. And that's where people got to understand. This is a lot of work. People are like, but you can't do that. You'll kill you. Go look at the successful people to get there. They look amazing because they're freaking taking care of themselves all, all the way there. I mean, they're, you go look at a picture of them 10 years ago. And they look like crap. Go look at the pictures of when they started their companies and they look rough. When you can get to a level of freedom, you can afford to do the things to really take care of yourself. Mm. People don't want to think that way. They want it all now. Mm. Sorry, that was a soapbox. Oh, no, I loved it. (laughs) That's awesome. I I appreciate all your insights and there's definitely... Some things I've learned here that I'm going to implement. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. And if people want to learn more about you, they can go to your website, DonnieBovine.com. That's D-O-N-N-I-E-B-O-I-V-I-N. So guys, do me a favor. If you made it this far and you've been hanging out with this and you got any tips, tricks, any value out of this, do Sarah the biggest favor and share this episode with one other person. 
So, so having my own show, I can tell you building an audience is the toughest thing in the world. So help Sarah out by sharing this out with one other person who needs to hear this message. And then I got a challenge for you guys. So I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45 last, um, I tell everybody I was a jerk as a kid. Being diagnosed with ADHD doesn't give me an excuse for how I was as a kid, but it's one hell of an explanation. So my entire life, I didn't know it, but I had to be distracted to learn. So I doodled, I did all kinds of things to distract myself to learn. Well, uh, in October-ish, October, uh, I decided I needed to lose some weight before the summit that happened in, in September. So every morning I got up at four o'clock in the morning, took my German shepherds out. I let them run the front pasture. And I'd go walk the farm and I'd go gate to gate, about 200 steps in between my two gates and my pasture. And I turn on a podcast. And so I'd listen to a business or a growth oriented podcast and I'd go walk for 45 minutes. In those 30 days, I lost 27 pounds and we added almost a zero. Um, and what happened was I got so focused on the business in my own personal growth that we got the company so dialed in that it just started to explode. So here's what I have for everybody. This is free. We are not trying thing. Um, if they'll go to champions90.com, there's a 90 day challenge. It's five activities, 45 minute exercise, walk. That's all I did. 45 minutes, listen to a business or growth oriented podcast, 30 minutes of cold outreach. That's either cold calling, cold DMing on LinkedIn, cold emailing. I don't care, but you've got to do cold outreach. 30 minutes of what we call hand raising activities and hand raising activities is where you put on original thought. And so people can say, Hey, I'm interested and want to learn more. So that can be putting out cold content on social media that can be commenting on social media that can be getting on podcasts, getting on stages, anywhere you can put out original thoughts. Then the last one, number five, is you write 200 words on your takeaways from the podcast. And you do this for 90 days straight. And I tell most people, if you're smart, you'll take those 200 words and that'll become your social media post. And now you're double dipping. Exercise, listen to a podcast at the same time. And now you're double dipping. So then all you really end up to focus on is getting that cold outreach done. And if you do that, you can go for 90 days, no quit. You miss a day, you start over. I just wrapped up, um, and there's a video on LinkedIn, me four o'clock in the morning about it, uh, and the takeaways, absolutely amazing. But if you really want to, and you're ready to that place where you're like, I'm going to take off, then go straight to Champions 90 right now, commit, start, there's group. Um, if you're part of our networking group, there's, there's a, a private group in there for accountability to stay going, uh, but there's a Facebook group for accountability too. Take up the Champions 90 Challenge. And if people want to see, go to freaking LinkedIn and just type in hashtag Champions 90 and your hashtag C90 and go look at the people doing it and the comments and the things they have along with it. You'll, you'll be blown away by, by their personal growth and journey doing this. Oh, wow. This is awesome. I'm definitely going to sign up for that. Like as soon as we get off this call, I'm going to sign up because those Beautiful. are things that... I need to as well. Um, awesome. So many good takeaways from this. I can't, I can't wait to, I'm going to move this uh, episode up and try to get this out again. So uh, hopefully this awesome. month. Well, awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today and all your valuable insights. It 
been awesome. Absolutely. My honor having out with you, Sarah, and great job. This has been a lot of fun. Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack, connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, engage in meaningful discussions, including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.